0: To navigate life, we need wisdom. Uh, Without wisdom, nothing in life really matters, nothing really has a point, and life can actually end up in destruction, as our life falls apart without true wisdom. But where does true wisdom come from? What does true wisdom look like in our life? In this series, Pursuing the Path of Wisdom, we look at the book of Proverbs, where God tells us exactly what true wisdom is, where true wisdom comes from, and what it looks like in our life. As you listen to this series, uh, if it impacts your life, like it, share it, and subscribe to our list so that you get more of these messages to not only impact your life, but others. God bless as you listen to God's word. This fall, we have been in this series called Pursuing the Path of Wisdom. And what we're doing is we're walking to the book of Proverbs looking for wisdom for our life. Uh, wisdom is not something that we talk about often in our culture. We've said over the past couple weeks that what, what we tend to talk about more is morality, right and wrong. We talk about science and the scientific community. Uh, but wisdom is something that doesn't get talked about all that much, and yet wisdom Is so important for our life. Because without wisdom, we can make a big mess of our life now and forever. And so we've said that wisdom is the ability to make the right choices when presented with two options and neither are sinful, neither are bad. What option, what decision do you make? That takes wisdom. Wisdom is necessary to make the complex decisions, and the com- uh, complexities of life. And are we capable of doing that? That's where wisdom comes in. And what we've seen over the course of the first couple weeks uh, is that wisdom comes from a relationship with the Lord. We can't be wise without knowing and having a relationship with the Lord himself because he is Wisdom. The characteristic of God, one of them, is that he is a wise God and he created the world with wisdom in it. He is the giver of all wisdom. And that relationship with him is not one based on fear, but based on love and trust. And we can love and trust him because he loved us and gave his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. How much does he love you and me? That he sent Jesus have us as his own. If he was willing to do that, then we want to be in a position to say, Jesus, speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. Your servant is listening because you love us more than we could ever imagine. Therefore, you must have our best interest at heart. And so that's where we're at in this series is we're ready to listen to the Lord on different topics in our life because we know he loves us. We know he cares for us. We know he has our best interest at heart. He proved it at the cross. One of the topics we need wisdom uh, is in the area of money. Because it is an area, a topic, that if we don't get right, it can completely ruin us. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at what does it look like to master money. That's the topic, mastering money. What does that look like? And as I said at the beginning of the service, if you're here today for the first time and you're thinking, oh, great, the first time I show up to this church, we're talking about money, I get it. <laughs> uh, however, the book of Proverbs is the o- one of the only books in all of Scripture that has a lot of good things to say about wealth and money. In fact, uh, of all the Proverbs that talk about money, half of them praise it and talk about it in a good way. The other half does talk about a warning that comes with it. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at uh, the book of Proverbs and King Solomon, who wrote these words. 950 BC, King Solomon's the king over Israel, and not only was he the wisest person to live, the Bible tells us, he also had more wealth than he knew what to do with. So Solomon himself is a wealthy guy writing about wealth. Here's what we're told. We're going to look at the first paragraph there. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Let's stop right there. Number one, why is wealth a good thing? Your first point today? Wealth is a blessing from the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Right there in verse Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. You know, when we come to church and we talk about money, I feel and, and wealth in general, I feel like, and maybe it's just me, but I feel we can kind of feel bad about it if we have it. Like almost like the church makes us feel guilty that we have wealth and money. And yet, look at what Proverbs says. It's a blessing from the Lord. Not to feel ashamed of, not to feel guilty over. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. It's from the Lord that all our wealth comes from. And it's a good thing. Because if it wasn't a good thing, the Lord wouldn't give it to us. It's a blessing from the Lord. Not only is it a blessing from the Lord, but look at how it talks about the wise person here lazy hands make for poverty but diligent hands bring wealth. The person who works hard, the person who's creative, the person who uses their talents and abilities to work and make money, Proverbs actually praises. Uh, The book of Proverbs praises you for using your creativity, for working hard, being diligent, to make money. The other side is also true. It talks poorly about the lazy person. and In other Proverbs, it talks about the sluggard, the one who sleeps through the harvest, the one who doesn't work hard. The Lord's created us to work. And when we work hard and we make money, it's a blessing from the Lord. And so it's a good thing. And that's why your first point is, wealth is a blessing from the Lord. And that's why Proverbs talks about it being such a blessing. Because it comes from God himself. So this is... Uh, these are only three verses on on wealth being a good thing, but there's so much more in the book of Proverbs on, on how it is good. But it also comes with a warning. Let's go with the next verses. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. The Lord detests dishonest scales. But accurate weights find favor with him. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Stop right there. Uh, The book of Proverbs talks about three dangers of wealth that we need to be aware of, and if we're not, we're not going to make wise decisions, and it's going to end up in a mess. The first one we can all agree on, uh, the warning is Proverbs 11, uh, the second to last one there. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Uh, Dishonest scales. In in 950 B.C., when you went to the marketplace, how did you know what to pay for? They had a scale with two hands, or two uh, scales. Arms. There we go. Arms. Um, And you put your objects on the one side, and then you put weights on the other, and whatever the weight was, that's how much you paid. Well, what some of the sellers would do is they would take their one-pound weight and put three pounds on it. they take their three-pound weight and put five pounds on it. And then when you put your object on, it looks like it weighs more than it actually does, which means you have to pay more. The Lord detests dishonest scales. What is the danger of wealth that we have to realize? Money can corrupt and we know, we know exactly how this is. We see it in our culture, in our communities. We see it in our country, how wealth and money can corrupt people. The ethical person acts ethically until the big bonus is attached to some decisions he has to make. Maybe you felt that too. Money has the possibility to corrupt, to cut corners, to just a little slightly more than what Charge a little, slightly more than what it's worth. This was uh, Zacchaeus, the the chief tax collector that we looked at earlier. Uh, what did he do? People would come to him. He would say, "Here's how much your taxes are. I see that it's worth two thousand, but I'm going to charge you five, and you can't do anything about it because I got these Roman soldiers here behind me." He collects the money, he sends off the two thousand to the Roman government, and he pockets the extra three uh, money can corrupt. And that was Zacchaeus. And I think we all agree on that. But there's two other dangers that are found in here that maybe you and I relate to a little more. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. The fortified city. Uh, Maybe a little lost on us. We don't have city our our Austin doesn't have a big wall around it. Uh, Our cities don't have big walls. But some of our communities do. We have gated communities. And maybe that's the closest what we know to a fortified city, how we can relate. But a fortified city was just that. It was a city with a big wall around it, a high wall, that provided what? Protection, security, safety. Uh, If you lived outside the city walls, what were you subject to? Uh, Wild animals? Nature? Uh, You could have bandits come and just take you over and there was nothing to stop you. you. You were constantly at risk. But if you lived inside the fortified city, you had security. You had safety. You had protection. Not only that, but who lived in the fortified city? The who's who of the day. If you were poor, you weren't living in the in the city. You couldn't afford it. You couldn't afford to live in the in the fortified city. But you were creative. You had wealth. You were someone who who had influence. You lived inside the city. And so not only did you have safety and security, but you found significance in the fact that I live In the city. I'm a city guy. That's me. I live in that fortified city right there. And as you told people that, you must be an important person. And isn't that a danger when it comes to wealth, Proverbs says. The wise person realizes that the danger of wealth, or temptation for wealth, is to find security in it and to find our value and significance in it. And we know how slippery of a slope that is, don't we? As we look at our bank accounts and our savings account, we say, you know, if if I just get to here, then I'll feel safe and secure. And then what happens? You get there, and you say, ah, but what if? And so we work hard, and and we get more. Ah, but what if? And and it keeps going. The, the, The wall gets higher and higher, so to speak. And there's a fine line, isn't there? between being a wise saver and trusting in our wealth to be that security-fortified city for us. We know what it's like to find value in our wealth. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you have extreme wealth or you have no wealth. We all see that money brings significant value. Whether it's the car you drive, the gadgets you have, the house that you have, or that you're trying to fit in with everybody else. Look at the vacations they go on. Let's stretch beyond our means so we can also go on those same vacations so that we look significant and important. Let's have our kids on that team because if they get on that team, then they're significant and important, and so are we, despite it costing a lot of money. We know what it's like to find value in these things. Wealth is a good thing. It comes from the Lord, unless, point number two, it's a good thing as long as it's not the greatest thing. When it becomes the greatest thing, and we we search for our our security and our value in it, uh, do you know what ends up happening? We get mastered by money and not the other way around. And then you know what our lives look like? Overworked. Worried. Stretched thin. Self-medicating because we've got so much pressure on us. Health issues that come from being stretched so thin and constantly worrying about how to get to the next spot. It takes a toll on us. All for what? A little bit of security and a little bit of value. And yet, look at the last verse there. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. We get all worried, strung out, look for value and significance in it, we look for security in it, and yet when we die and we stand before the Lord, our net worth isn't going to matter. When we stand before the Lord, what we have doesn't matter. God's going to say, oh, you're worth that much? That doesn't matter here. Oh, you're worth that little? That doesn't matter here. Oh, you have that much? It's not going to keep you safe right now. It's gone. And so how do we not get mastered by money? How do we keep money being the good thing that it is? Realizing where true riches come from. It's your next point. The greatest wealth is the greatest gift of God, and that's Jesus. Sorry, Ben, go back to Ephesians chapter three there. Ephesians chapter three says this although this is Paul saying, although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, the great this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The boundless riches of Christ. How rich is Jesus? He literally created wealth. (laughs) He's got it all. And now think of this. Jesus, who is God from all eternity, Jesus, God from all eternity, who has all wealth, all riches, has it all, looked around and said, I don't have the number one treasure of my heart. And what was that? You. Jesus looked around and he said, great, I have all this wealth in heaven, but you know who I don't have? You. And so what did Jesus do? He left it all. He left everything in heaven to come to this earth, all the riches of heaven he left behind and he came to this earth to take on human flesh, where he lived poor, where he gave it all up to live a perfect life in our place, where he came to to redeem you and me by dying on the cross, by shedding his blood to take away all of our sin. Why? So that he could have you for eternity. You want to talk about value. Your value isn't found in what we have. Your value is found in the fact that the God of this world thinks you are worth giving up everything just to have you. We all want to feel wanted. We all want to feel loved. We all want to feel significant and important. How much more important could we get that the God of this world would come and die for you and me because he didn't have us for eternity because our sins separated us from him. And so he came and shed his blood to take away all of our sins so that he could have us forever. That's how much he treasures you. You want to talk about security. Money can't save us from death. Money can't bring us back from the grave. And yet Jesus can. And Jesus will. Because Jesus did. Not only did he die, but he rose again from the dead and he now promises that all who fall asleep in him, all who die in him, will be raised again to live eternally in the riches of heaven with him forever. That is security. No matter what happens to you today, no matter what happens in this scary world that we're living in, we have hope and security and safety in Jesus Christ because he's conquered the grave. And nothing in this world can stop it but him. And he has. And he will. This is where you find value. This is where our significance comes from. This is where our security comes from. We don't have to look at it in our wealth. And when we know that, when we know where our value and significance and security come from, that's what makes wealth remain the good thing that it is. Not the controlling thing that masters us. And when we keep wealth in that good thing that the Lord has given us, what do we do? Proverbs 11, 24. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. One person gives freely, and yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You see, when we know where our value, security and, and uh, uh, significance comes from, it comes from the Lord, then wealth becomes a thing that God intended it to be. It not only takes care of, He not only takes care of our needs with it, but then we can be generous and take care of others. And that can be a scary thing, can't it? It can be a scary thing to be generous with with what God has given us. And yet look at the promise from God. The generous will themselves be blessed. The Lord, uh, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. What amazing promises from God that, that when we are generous with what he's given, when we trust him, that he's going to take care of us, that our security is in him, that our significance and value is found in him, and we are generous, he promises to continue to be generous and overfli- full, overflow all that we have so that we can continue to be generous to those who have need. And I know many of you are doing it because I've seen it in action. I've seen your generous heart. I've seen your generosity as you give to others. I see as you donate to all kinds of different uh, nonprofits that take care of people. Imagine if we all did it. Imagine the difference we can make as we are generous to our community, to those who have need. We can make a huge difference because God has blessed us abundantly. May God be with us as we keep our wealth where it's supposed to be. Not the master over us, but the resource that God has given to us. Not only care for our needs, but the needs of others. Knowing and trusting that our value, significance, and security is found in Him. When we know that, we'll make wise decisions in this area. May God be with you as we do just that. Let's pray. God of all mercy, God of abundance, God of uh, all riches and wealth that this world could ever uh, have. Everything we have comes from you, and we're so thankful for that. We thank you for the wealth that you have given us. We thank you for the riches that you've enabled all of us to have. Uh, It's a great blessing from you. Uh, It's something that we don't talk about a lot, and yet it's true. You have opened your hand and satisfied the desires of, of all of our needs and more. And we're incredibly thankful. Uh, Help us to be wise managers of all of this, uh, realizing that money is not our master, but we're the masters of it. And we can do that when we're safe and secure in our value that you give to us, that our significance comes from you, that the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead, provide us with eternal security so that we have hope for the future no matter what. We thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you have not withheld anything from us. And now let us trust you and be generous. As our generosity overflows, uh, you will continue to overflow your generosity into our life. And we can't wait to see that happen. We can't wait to see how uh, we get to impact others and, and see your impact through us. We ask you to help us to see this. We ask you to help us to send your spirit to guide us, to lead us into all righteousness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.